0: Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.
1: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, Beijing denies reports of an iPhone ban, and China's central bank has taken another measure to aid the ailing economy. But first, let's look at the European Union's plan to investigate Chinese subsidies for electric vehicles, or EVs. The EU's decision to launch such an investigation is an effort to curtail cheap EV imports. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said the global market has been flooded with cheap Chinese cars due to massive state subsidies, and that's distorted the EU market. The auto sector is a major employer across Europe, and the investigation is designed to mitigate the risk of heavily subsidized Chinese competitors pushing local manufacturers out of the market, as was the case in the solar industry over a decade ago. The decision comes amid simmering tensions between China and the EU, where the transition to cleaner technologies is a particular point of contention as the EU's industrial core struggles to compete with Chinese companies. The EU will ban combustion engine cars starting in 2035, and there are concerns that the bloc's local car makers could get priced out if China aggressively targets the sector. China's supposed advantage is already being felt in EU markets. According to an EU official, Chinese EV brands held an 8% market share in the EU last year and were selling at around one-fifth cheaper than domestic offerings. BYD, China's top-selling auto brand, has already expanded to around 15 countries in Europe, and one of its SUVs was the best-selling EV in Sweden in July. Regarding the EU's investigation plan, there are concerns of potential backlash. The investigation could affect European brands that have strong ties with the Chinese market, such as Germany's Volkswagen, BMW, and Porsche. But for France, whose brands such as Renault, Citroën, and Peugeot have limited exposure to China, the investigation is a win and the government is likely to adjust its EV purchase bonuses to favor European companies. This investigation will mark the EU's first concrete step to challenging rival state support for green subsidies, which have been increasing worldwide. The move will also be part of the EU's broader effort to de-risk its relationship with China without pursuing outright decoupling. Export controls related to AI, semiconductors, and quantum computing have already been imposed or taken into consideration. In response to the EU's upcoming anti-subsidy probe, China's Commerce Ministry denounced the move, saying that it would disrupt the global automotive supply chain and negatively affect trade ties between China and Europe. The probe is expected to cast a shadow over China's booming EV market. Many Chinese EV makers, including BYD and NIO, have been ramping up their global expansion push. This has boosted China's auto sector as the country overtook Japan as the world's largest car exporter in the first quarter. A source from a Chinese trade group told Caixin that Chinese automakers are competitive due to their manufacturing and supply chain efficiencies, not government subsidies. Other industry insiders have also defended domestic automakers, saying that Chinese manufacturers do not intentionally undercut their European rivals by keeping prices artificially low. It remains to be seen whether Chinese automakers will be subject to anti-subsidy duties in Europe, How the EU defines government subsidies as damaging to fair competition will shape the outcome of the investigation. In more global trade news, container shipping companies are facing falling ocean transportation rates as the peak summer shipping season draws to a close. Spot rates for shipping containers from Shanghai to the U.S. West Coast or Northern Europe have slumped year-on-year recently, forcing some shipping companies to cancel a number of upcoming services. Shipping giant Mediterranean Shipping has canceled several trips on its Asia-North Europe and Asia-Mediterranean routes due to an expected slowdown in demand. Maersk is also planning route cancellations in Europe. Now turning to Beijing. China's foreign ministry has denied claims that some Chinese government agencies have banned the use of iPhones saying that no official law, regulation, or policy document has been issued. Recently, a number of foreign media outlets reported that some Chinese government agencies had prohibited their staff from using iPhones at work. That triggered a decline in Apple's stock value. While denying the existence of a formal ban, the ministry did acknowledge recent media reports about iPhone security issues. It also emphasized the government's commitment to cyber and information security, adding that it treats both Chinese and foreign companies as equals. The allegations of the iPhone ban come amid an escalating tech war between China and the U.S. Washington recently imposed new investment restrictions on China's high-tech sector, adding to existing controls on exports of semiconductor technology to China. And more on technology news, Alibaba has released its large language model, Tongyi Qianwen, to the public following regulatory approval. Various companies and institutions, including OPPO and Zhejiang University, are collaborating with Alibaba Cloud to utilize Tongyi Qianwen to train their own language models and develop applications. Taobao is also testing a Tongyi Qianwen-powered chatbot which will assist users in searching for products and provide tailored recommendations. The chatbot is expected to be publicly available before Alibaba's Double Eleven shopping festival in November. Lastly, taking a look at the economy, China's central bank has cut the amount of cash that lenders must hold in reserve in an effort to bolster the country's post-pandemic economic recovery. The central bank on Friday lowered the reserve requirement ratio for most banks by 25 basis points. The reduction freed up cheap long-term cash for banks, which can then be extended to businesses and consumers as loans. China's economic recovery has underwhelmed expectations, with weak consumer spending, sliding investment, and rising unemployment pointing to an economy that is struggling to regain momentum. Despite the challenges, some recent data on inflation and exports suggest a more stable economy is on the horizon, and many economists expect that China will meet its economic growth target of 5% for this year. Let's turn now to Kelsey Chung, company news chief at Caixin Global, for a breezy conversation about wind power, specifically offshore wind. Hello, Kelsey. Welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Kaiser. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it has been. Uh, So as I said, we're talking about wind power today and more precisely offshore wind. I know the country has a very established onshore wind ecosystem, but so far we haven't heard too much about offshore wind.
0: Yes. China has been ramping up on developing resources miles away from its coastline turning to its vast ocean for more renewable energy resources. These include wind and ocean thermal as part of ambitions to develop its marine economy and become a strong maritime country. For offshore wind projects, they make use of the powerful and generally more consistent winds that blow far from shore to generate power, which can mean more efficient energy generation. And you're right about not hearing too much about the sector. That's because offshore wind capacity is still very small compared with the onshore variety and represents just a sliver of the nation's total power mix. As of June, the total installed capacity of wind power in China was almost 400 gigawatts, and more than 90% of that was from onshore sources.
1: I see. So has the government been helping the industry?
0: Yes, it has. In the form of subsidies. From 2014 to 2021, China offered various subsidies to wind farm developers for offshore wind power they sent to the grid. Essentially, power grids were instructed to pay higher rates for offshore wind electricity than for other sources. Meanwhile, mandatory national renewable targets have kept grid companies from simply opting to buy cheaper coal power. The policy can help increase profit margins for wind farms, including offshore ones, which have higher operational costs than coal power plants. This policy applies to each wind project for 20 years.
1: Yeah, those are very friendly policies.
0: Yes, but all good things must come to an end, don't they? The subsidies for offshore wind power ended in 2021. It means new offshore wind farms that connect to the grid will be paid the same benchmark prices as coal power producers.
1: So I can imagine what happened as a result of that.
0: Yep, you know it. So newly installed offshore wind capacity plunged nearly two-thirds in 2022 from the previous year. That's according to figures from the Chinese Wind Energy Association. However, If we look at the figures alone, the annual capacity increase of around 5 gigawatts was still the second highest increase on record for offshore wind power, even without the incentives. This shows stakeholders' undampened enthusiasm.
1: Interesting. So how come the end of subsidies didn't hold back these companies?
0: Yes, according to some analysts, the sector will continue its upward trend because offshore wind is a key area in China's five-year plan for renewable energy through 2025. They projected that annual increased capacity for offshore wind in China will reach 10 gigawatts this year and 15 gigawatts next. That figure is expected to grow to 20 gigawatts in 2025 as the cost of wind power is due to go down.
1: So, Who is backing the rapid deployment of these projects and and why?
0: Yes, that's a great question. The high hopes stem from the growing interest in offshore wind farms on the part of provincial governments, which have the rights to develop maritime sources along their coasts. Developing offshore wind farms could help provinces to fortify their energy security, which could help them attract and keep inbound business. Another reason is that many of China's coastal regions are economically developed, but rely on electricity imported from inland areas to meet their growing power demand. Offshore wind power is seen as one of the solutions that can help them solve part of the problem. And these offshore wind farms also provide jobs owing to the large-scale nature of the projects. This can be really appealing to provincial governments as they face issues such as high unemployment among young people.
1: So what are these provincial governments doing to help?
0: So to stimulate projects on the ground, provinces including Guangdong, Shandong and Zhejiang have announced their regional subsidy policies to stand in for the national ones that ended in 2021. For example, Guangdong, the first province to offer local offshore incentives, gives a cash boost to wind capacity installed in its waters from 2022 to 2024.
1: So we'll probably see a lot of competition then in these provinces, yeah?
0: Yes, that's right. Since manufacturers have to fight for local government contracts in cutthroat bidding wars, some actually quoted unrealistically low prices at which they claim they can provide their power to the grid. These price wars have led to some projects collapsing, as well as shrinking profitability for some companies.
1: Oh, no, that does not sound good.
0: Yes, but there's a positive spin to this, uh, if you will. Strong competition has spurred wind turbine manufacturers to step up innovation in a bid to help bring down the cost. Their efforts include tech breakthroughs achieved in the development of turbines with huge capacity, which help bring down installation and maintenance costs. Another invention is wind turbines that float on the surface of the ocean instead of being bolted into the seabed. This can be installed in more remote parts of the ocean.
1: Hmm. Really interesting learning about the offshore wind sector from you. Uh, thanks, Kelsey, for all of that.
0: You're most welcome, Kaiser. Let's talk next time.
1: Yeah, talk next time. And, dear listener, if you are interested in more details on this story, please head on over to CaixinGlobal.com. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief was produced by Kaiser Guo and by Lin Jinbing, Kelsey Chung, Madeline McDonald, and Bertrand Keo at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Tyson Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa and China Global South podcasts. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.